How you doing, folks? Welcome back to episode six, I think, of the Dad Bod Bible Real Men Talk, where I speak to guys that I like to talk to, who I feel have got something to say and it's worth hearing. Today, I've got an MMA fighter from Ireland, Benjamin Davis. And how are you keeping me? How's life going with you? I am very good, brother. Nice to finally get on your podcast, you know? Yeah. Nice to finally talk to you. Yeah, so you've someone I've actually followed, someone I respect quite a lot in the MMA scene. You're, um, you seem to have sort of my ethos when it comes to martial arts, and I think it's something that MMA has lost its way in. I think where MMA used to be a traditional style, you know, let's say who's, well, when I was doing it, when I started out when the, back in the beginning, it was like, yeah. you're a karate guy, you're a kickboxer, you're a Muay Thai, whatever, let's see yeah. who's the best, and then it slowly merged. But I think as it merged and it became its own identity, I think yeah. the actual martial art of it has sort of been lost as opposed to the yeah. sport and the, the, the business side of it. And I like your, like, I follow you radically. I would listen to you. I, you're actually one of the few people I would listen to properly when you come on Facebook or let, let your posts because yeah. you're very much in tune with how I believe. I don't maybe voice it the way you do, but it's, yeah, your beliefs are very much in tune with how I believe. So yeah. how did you get involved in martial arts in the first place? Um, I think like, I, I I think like I was introduced to fear from a from an early age. Like I grew up in Bristol, England, in a rough neighborhood, and um, like the things that happened to me, like you know yourself in Northern Ireland, because I half grew up in Northern Ireland as well, so I had that kind of experience as well as a young man. But yeah, I just think fear. That's what got me into martial arts. Like I grew up where on the streets, um, is all about respect, and respect is through fear you know that's ultimately what it was like so i was always looking to to learn how to protect myself i started karate when i was young my uncle he was my irish uncle like he taught me how to fight because my dad died when i was young so i never had that male figure yep. behind me like i kind of felt like i was alone especially when i moved to to northern ireland i was kind of like a mixed race kid stuck in between the troubles that was going on over there, you know, it was like what, what religion you here? I was about 10. And what age? How old are you now? I'm 35 now. 35. So you're so yeah. like 25 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've I've lived in Ireland most of my life now. Like um half my family's from here. And uh, my mom moved us from Bristol to get away from the the drugs and the flipping crime and all that stuff over there. So but she moved us into like Fermanagh, Enniskillen, you know, like <laughs> here it's a beautiful Northern part. Ireland. Like. Tell you what, see, um, see somewhere like Fermanagh, and like when you're, you'll never appreciate it as a kid, but as an adult, yeah. Fermanagh's stunning. It's one of the most beautiful counties. Oh yeah, oh, it's God. one of the most beautiful counties in the in the country, man. Yeah, it's a beautiful Isn't place. It? Yeah, like I would go, I would like to go down there, and so I'd be somewhere I'd like to retire. You know, just that visual. There's so you you you're probably like me. You like nature, and you like that sort of connection. Yeah. You seem, to, yeah, you seem yeah. to have this very earthly connection with things, you know, yeah. and yin and yang type of yeah. philosophy, which I'd be very much a believer in. How do you think MMA has evolved from when you started to today? Um, Like, as you said at the start there, like, before you had, like, these karate guys or the jiu-jitsu guys and, you know, boxers, or and then it was, like, yeah, then people realize you have to be more well-rounded. So I just see today, I, I think it's still evolving, but I think today is just more well-rounded. You don't really specifically have many specialists anymore. 
you just have more well-rounded people you know like like your mighty mouses and stuff like that like pe people that just their aim is not i'm gonna knock you out in this fight their aim is i'm gonna punch you to grapple with you to you know to submit you or if you end up back on your feet we're back punching again it's kind of just yeah i think it's just evolving and i think it will continue to evolve um i think like in jujitsu the way leg locks have taken over in jujitsu i think maybe we'll start seeing that in mma where you'll get like your gary tonan's gone into one championship now and you know i think i think leg locks is do you think you know, leg locks? Do you think leg locks are not a risky move in MMA when someone can punch the head? It's a it's a sacrifice. I was taught that I was taught with that ethos. Like it was like, don't go for a leg lock. You get punched in the face. But now, like, I feel like that there's a time to go for them, and there's a time when you should bail on them. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> I think Steve McComb in my fight, like he rolled in for the leg lock against me when I fought him, and. um I knew he was good, lock, good at leg locks because he submitted my old teammate, Tim Murphy. With the with best bar. leg lock I have ever seen in my yeah. life. That, yeah, was the, that was the tie clinch, wasn't it? That was the yeah. tie clinch rule. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God, that was the best That was the best submission I'd seen in years. Yeah, so I fought Steve after he beat Tim. And um, so I just knew like that he was going to be dying for my legs. So I ground and pounded him when he went for the leg lock. So that's when he kind of held on a bit too long for them, you know? Even though he's a tough head on him, man, like he didn't, he didn't quit. <laughs> Taz, Taz, I trained with Taz. He fought, he fought for Davy for Davy for years, and um, yeah. he was always in the leg locks. I think his size, you know, he's he's a small guy, so he is, and yeah. he's just able to get into those movements quickly. He's very explosive. Yeah, yeah, he was very yeah. strong, man. Very I remember classy. when he, yeah, when he grabbed my ankle, I was like, you shouldn't be like putting that much pressure on my ankle from this position. <laughs> but yeah, he's very strong. <laughs> How long have you been fighting? Um, MMA, like, I think I was chatting with my wife about this when she was asking me, someone asked her how long I'd been fighting and I was like, I couldn't, I don't know, man. It's like, you know, when you're kids, yeah. I was like, you think of how old, you're, how old your kids now. I was fighting in so, so many years before that. I think about 13 years, maybe, MMA. And who did you start out with and where did you start? <clears throat> I started with Mark Leonard at Point Blank Submissions in Galway. Okay, that's where you started. Yeah. But actually, actually, before that, I started in Gloucester Range Fighters over in England because I was, I moved away from England. I was in a bit of a bad um, place in my life at that time, like, and just lost, you know, and um, I, but I was training over there. I was kind of planning on going into professional boxing and then... I had gone training with my a friend of mine, Shay Mills, who was you might know Shay from he was in the UFC. Yeah, was yeah, yeah, yes, champion. yes, yes. Yeah, so Shay was a good friend of mine, and he he knew I was a boxer and all this stuff, and I worked with him doing security. And he said to me, "Oh, do you want to come sparring with a lot of MMA fighters?" So I just started going sparring, and. Yeah, I got introduced to grappling then. I realized how, Jesus, I don't know anything about fighting, anything I thought I knew. And then, um, yeah, I just, I went and started training with him in Gloucester Range Fighters and under Mark the Wizard Weir. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, that was it. I kind of was, I wasn't training properly then. I was still, as I say, I was lost. I was more partying and doing some other stuff. <laughs> 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 hey, listen, we've been yeah. there, so we still are. <laughs> yeah, man. That's, yeah, so that's how I got into it. Then I moved back to 
I realized, as I say, I was down the wrong path then. And I had an experience that awoke me. And I kind of, yeah, as I say, I learned from the karma of my life of what shaped me and made me go down certain ways. And I realized that fighting was, and fear, my battle with fear was like something that was a route that I had to kind of go down. And fighting, I seen as a way I could help people was through fighting. I could inspire people and then I could help them overcome their, their battle with fear. You know, because fear is not neg ne not necessarily a negative thing. I just find fear, like over not succumbing to fear, is when it becomes negative. And I think fear, fear can teach is, us a lot. Fear keeps us yeah. alive. It's a natural. Yeah, exactly. It's a natural instinct. You know, it's like, for people to say I'm not scared is stupid. But fe yeah. fear is natural. But what courage is, as far as I'm concerned, is doing it in the in the presence of fear anyway. You know, yeah, you, man, yeah. you fear something, you know you're scared of it, but you don't allow it to overcome you and you take that step. Yeah. You might fail, you might succeed, it doesn't matter, but the very fact the very fact that you've taken that step towards overcoming it means even if you don't succeed in the outcome, you've still succeeded in a certain way because you took steps that most people won't. Yeah, yeah. That's what people need to start looking at <clears throat> intrinsically. You know, you seem to be a very introspective person. You seem to like yeah. go into, inside yourself an awful lot. Um, I'm not saying, you know, because you're always cautious about religion and this thing, but yeah. your spiritual beliefs, what would they be? They seem like very like Buddhist to me, almost like a sort of... Yeah, like I'm, I don't, I think like, again, like words, I, I'm careful about what words I use because I'm like, um, I was raised atheist for one because of my Northern Irish family and they were just done with religion. They moved to England to to get away from all the shit like and for work like but um so i was raised very atheist and but um i kind of as i said i awoke and when i awoke there was um i realized that uh, like i don't like to say the word god i said it in a fight one time you know but really like my view of god is just a greatness yes the universe exactly yes. you know I'm and like we're but like thoughts like each one of us, our energy form is literally like a thought of God. Oh, you and Did I are going so well here, mate. I'm yeah. because I'm I'm a DMT head. I've done DMT so many times yeah. in my life. I've experienced the fifth dimension. I've met the entities. Yeah, I'm man. ayahuasca soon. You know, I'm big into. Oh, I'm, big into I'm big into the spiritual yeah. journey, and I was atheist. I was a very. I was like. Fuck Jesus, fuck God, fuck us all. I hate us all. Don't fuck us. That's what I was. Like, because yeah. I just can't stop. I what what I realized I hated was it wasn't God, shall we say, but it was more the people who represented God, like the DUP. Yeah. I call them yeah. the Pharisees of the of yeah. the Christians today because they like to profess their love of God, but they don't act yeah. Christ like. And I've always said, see if someone is see if someone believes like it's Christian and they act Christ-like, like they act the way Jesus taught. I respect yeah. them so much because the teachings of Jesus is actually, if you if you take away the the woo-woo stuff and you yeah. actually just listen to what the words are, it's a it's a declaration of how to live. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's it, it, the wording and what he says is very yeah. intelligent. It's just that I think it's been manipulated. And this has taken yeah, yeah. years of I was born, I was a terrible Catholic, you know, I was an altar boy, I was yeah. under that, and then I started questioning things, and no one gave me an answer, 
And I yeah. started real, and then I can remember actually getting detention in third year, I think it was, Miss McBride. Miss for asking McBride. questions. <laughs> yeah, for asking a simple yeah. question. And I got detention and I, that, that was, she was the reason why I became atheist. Yeah. Her refusal to actually articulate an answer that could be explained to someone my age, I was only 12 or 13. Yeah. She started me on the journey of this is not right. Yeah. Something not right. And I, from that point, I became atheist. But then I done DMT. I started doing lots of drugs, acid, mushrooms, and I started yeah. seeing these things. And it, it just they're spirit it, plants. They're not drugs. They're yeah, spirit well, plants. Yeah, you're doing something. <laughs> Actually, as Jordan you say, you're 100 yeah. right. They're not drugs. They're, they're yeah, because if you're in the if you live in the Amazon, they're medicine. Yeah. yeah. It's it's the culture exactly we live in today. Are, yeah. The yeah. culture we live in today, the governments who do not want us to be awoke, who do not want yeah. us to see these things and the question, they yeah. they demonize them, they call them drugs. That's they why they're illegal, them. yeah. That's yes. why they're illegal. Yeah. Like drinks legal. Why is drink legal? Why is tobacco legal? Because yeah. they suppress the they suppress your vibrations. Do you know they keep you there, they keep you yeah. locked down into that lower chakra. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Stuck I think on the great wheel. We're gonna have a great talk here today, boy. I'm yeah. telling you, this is yeah. gonna go this is not gonna be a MMA. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Trent, we'll, we'll, we're definitely going to come back to this subject because I really want to talk about it. But by, but someone yeah. who has a who has an alternative view as opposed to getting fucked up, dude. Because yeah. I would never do them to get fucked up. I did when yeah. I was younger. Yeah, but me too. I, I would do them only if it's so. If I want a message, if I if I if I've got an answer, if I've got a question, I would take DMT. I would take. Yeah. And I you don't mess with mushrooms, man, because like. Yeah, you're not like, oh, I'm just going to go and take some mushrooms, man. You'd be like, oh, shit, I didn't want him to go there. <laughs> Listen, I, I didn't want to address there. that problem. <laughs> I have been there. <laughs> I've, also, I've also been in a place where it done acid one time. Yeah. Few, it must have been last year, actually. But uh, we've done acid. And we thought it'd be a great idea to get in the, uh, the hot tub in a lightning storm. <laughs> 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 and we're sitting in the hot tub in a lightning storm and there's satellite dishes flat above our heads and trees yeah and we're just going this is awesome isn't it? <laughs> and then you might have seen my post there like a few weeks ago about me getting lost in the woods when i've done some mushrooms <laughs> and i i went for a walk in the woods right and i um i basically thought okay um i had my dog with me and i was like I just, I was just so like taken in by all the little eco, the spirals, you know, like the Celtic spirals. Yeah, yeah. Everything was connected and I just seen these spirals for everything. And I was like, I just follow Zulu, my dog. I, was like, <laughs> I, I let him lead me. Like, so I just let the dog lead me. He was following deer or something. I don't know. <laughs> and I was just, I did not know which way was which. And oh my God. And then, then it went, I went down into the lower vibrations. <laughs> <laughs> You're hogging a tree. <laughs> Yeah, but I learned a lot. You have to die, man. I died in that woods, man. And I was like, I learned about, um, so I was stuck in bog up into my knees and I was just worrying about people worrying about where I was and, you know, ringing the guards or something to try and find me. And I was like, so I was like, come on, Ben, just breathe. That, again, back to martial arts, man. I was like, breathe. So I just controlled my breathing just because I couldn't think. I was panicking, you know? And then I was like, all right, water, water, like water only flows downhill. And I was stuck to my knees of water. So I kind of just, right, I climb uphill and then I could see better than, even though it was pitch black at night. And then- um, Fuck, it was night? Yeah, oh, it was pitch black. <laughs> yeah, oh man. Any ground you take? Yeah, and then I found like, um, 
a familiar spot. Like I found like a, there, there's these posts in the woods beside us. It's a big deciduous forest, lovely. And, um, but there's these pillars so that people can navigate in the woods. Like, and I found one of them and I was like, that was like the sparkle of hope for me. I was like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> but yeah. And then I kind of found a light. I followed this light and it led me to a farmhouse. And um, I remember like finding the, the fence that this, this farm was like fortified. And I was like thinking, oh my God, I don't want to scare these farmers get shot. <laughs> you know, like black man with a big white dog coming Pop out. Your alarm, we're Negroes. <laughs> <laughs> like bad boys. <laughs> yeah, so I was like trying to sneak outside the like light spectrum so they didn't see me like, you know, and, uh, yeah. but it was great experience. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever, have you tried ayahuasca or DMT? No, oh, DMT, yeah. Um, ayahuasca, I really would love to try that. Like, um, I'm, we're going to do it uh, as soon as lockdowns over. We're, we're both going to do it. Yeah, my partner. I've been saved. Like, what I do is every every year I put a jar out, and if I spend money, I put the pound coins and five pound notes and 50 p's into a jar. And then yeah, the every year, I just use that, and the two of us use that. To, we're going to use that to do a trip or something rather than buy as a Christmas present. Yeah, just use that to have an experience. So yeah. this experience is going to be the we're going to be ayahuasca. We want to do the ayahuasca journey, and I want to do three journeys of it and see because I'm I'm I've done DMT well over 150 times. Yeah, countless times I've done it so many times, and every time it's not long enough though, is it? It's like DMT is like boom, you're somewhere else, and then you're kind of coming back. But ayahuasca is meant to be like similar but long it's apparently more meant, apparently she's meant to knock mother ayahuasca is meant to knock the bollocks out of you the first trip she said. yeah yeah so i'm interested like i'm dreading the first journey big time but the suppose mm. I, I if i'm dreading it then i'm putting it out to the universe and i'm going to get that back for all yeah yeah, yeah. one thing i learned yeah. about dnt is it really ex it really exposes you to understanding that you are not in control of anything control yeah. is an illusion like yeah. When DMT wants to take you where it wants to take you, you have to go. Yeah. And if you resist, it's going to be even worse. Yeah. You know, that's what I've learned from it. And I've had some profound experiences. Like I had one really, really, really crazy experience and it was horrific, but it was one of yeah. the most enlightening experiences. About two weeks later, I realized what the message was. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> For anyone who hasn't done DMT, there always seems to be a message and contained within the journey. And I don't care yeah. what anyone says. You do go to a different dimension. Like, yeah. I don't know who you've met, but I've met the I met a wee Hindu dude. I always meet this wee Hindu guy that I used to be tiny beard and uh, I meet a ball of light. And I yeah. know she's, she's a feminine entity. I don't know what I've never seen her, but I know she's feminine and she yeah. always seems to guide me. The wee and I meet this jester guy, he's a really malevolent. Um, I don't like him every time I meet him, <laughs> he, he freaks me out. He, he does trick, he, do, he, he plays my mind, and it's like there's it's almost like there's bad intentions behind him or something. I don't know mm -hmm. what it is, but I, when I meet him, I feel this, this fear. Yeah. And, I, and then I end up disappearing from him. And so a lot of times I'll come out of it. But there's this one time I, um, I took it and I lost, in the trip, I lost everything. I was lying on the floor naked in my bedroom. And there was, a, I'm not going to mention names, but there was a well-known, for something like this is crazy, there was a well-known local personal trainer was commentating on my trip and they were it was like <laughs> had all these things 
like on yeah. top of me there was hundreds of them and they were all filming me and I was being cast out to social media everywhere and everyone all my friends all my members all my my family could see this happening and then yeah. my parents came along came along and they held me up and they took me away and um my ex-partner with mother of my children she was holding my kids behind her back and she was shaking her head really angry at me and the kid and I was trying to cry will you let me see my kids and they wouldn't and yeah. um then I then I woke out of the trip and I started freaking out and I looked through my phone and I was waiting to see all these messages from the ex going, oh, I am in so much shit here. Fucking lose the kids. Yeah. yeah. It took me about 10 minutes to realize I was still actually tripping and I wasn't even out of the trip yet. That was just me tripping. I was, <laughs> I was, and then I came out of the trip and I was like, oh, sweet fucking Jesus. Thank God. That's over. <laughs> and I was there crying. It was horrific. But then I realized the message was that I was spending so much time on social media yeah. that I was at risk of losing everything. Yeah, you know, and and it, it helped me get off the, the the addiction of social media to a point where I could control it. Because at that point, I think I was desperate to get my business built up, and all this shit was happening in my life, and there was a lot of bad things happening, and it was just overwhelming me. So, yeah. although it was a horrific experience, it was a life changing experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does that. <laughs> you never know what you're gonna get. Like it kind of, as you say, you're not in control. <laughs> no, I, I do think I do think you can't control it though. Um, like I, when I was doing DMT one time, I, because I wasn't in control so many times, I thought when I did it first, I was like, I'm going to control this and see like, and I basically did. And I kind of controlled where my intentions were, you know, where it was taking me. And I also learned to think I managed to like, cause it's such a short experience with the DMT, like maybe 10 minutes. I was like, I was able to prolong it like and it made me think about um so basically while i was in i kind of it showed me like a position that i could put my body in almost like a yoga position you know where it would open up my pineal gland you know my mind's eye and i was able to stay in that consciousness in that higher vibration for longer and i was able to like um even come out of it and then go back into it maybe like write stuff down that i was thinking you know so I, I do think you can. I think, again, people, like, I think we've lost abilities. Hindus, you're talking about Hindus. Hindus would do all the mantras, the chanting and stuff. Yeah. And um, I think these are all, like, tools. The spirit plants are a tool to straight away, boom, hit that crown chakra. But there's other tools out there, like the chanting, you know, Maybe. and martial arts, even. Martial yeah. arts is, it breaks down the ego, you it brings you into the present, you know, because you can't be thinking about the future or the past when you're being punched in the face or somebody's trying to choke you unconscious. I spoke you know, about that yesterday about it with yeah. Andy Burroughs. It's exactly, it's, it's meditation, yeah. movement meditation. Yeah, it's completely, yeah, it's, <clears throat> these are, they're like, they're like um, a code, a break in the code that breaks through this matrix, you know, yes. and then opens you up to the higher, the higher dimensions. Yeah, okay, man. so let me bring it down a rabbit hole then. Yeah. Do you think there's any possibility that this could be a matrix we're living in? Yeah. Um, yeah, like... Um, yeah, like, you, you have to. Like, if you've done DMT and stuff like that and mushrooms, then it is almost like you, you sometimes think, like, geez, I could be sitting in a five-by-five-foot square room like here, you know, like... And, have you used and, VR? Have you used the VR yeah. headset? The proper VR? Yeah, headset? like that. Like yeah. Oculus Quest. I've got an Oculus Quest. And between using that and doing the DNT mushrooms, acid and all, 
I'm yeah. starting to believe it's so very easy to like when I'm in that VR system, I've punched walls because I don't even realize I'm so enthralled at the boxing game that I forget yeah. where I am. The next thing you know, and there was one time I was playing Beat Saber, and yeah. this big block came at me, and I turned and was like, <gasps> and I thought, I was gonna... <laughs> but I was so in the zone yeah. that when it hit yeah. me, I I was, expect, I was like, it was like how I expected a bad feel when a bus if a bus ever killed me, yeah. and I had to take the VR off and just sit there and go, whoa. Because yeah. my heart was beating because of skirt because I was that involved in that that right at that, that moment in time, this reality here I live in did not exist. The only reality yeah. was where I was in the where my mind was. And it makes me yeah. I know it sounds like what if anyone no one's ever done DMT or anything out there looking at me going, What is he talking about? But when you've been to a different dimension through yeah. the, through the spirit medicines, like yeah. it makes you realize w- w- what we see is is limited by our ability to see. Like yeah, birds, the, senses, the five senses, yeah. Like the five senses, they kind of limit what you see. You get me? Yeah. Like, you know, like if a dog is following, like the other day, right? When I was in the woods walking my dog, my dog was like flipping so intrude in his sniffing stuff that I seen a, lo- a flock of deer running past me. And I was like, oh, and like took him about... I don't know, two minutes before they'd already gone. It's like he, then he's looking around thinking, I could not hear somewhere here. Do you know, like whereas, whereas I'm caught up in my my visual yeah. senses and he's caught up in his nose, like that we're both missing out on so well, much. The light where, spectrum, the light spectrum is the this size and we see this much, you know. So yeah. what, what else do we not see? Yeah. You know, and we, we we live in the third dimension, as I say. So yeah, like, but that's why need- the mind's eye, that's the one that sees more and we are kind of i think humankind is we're going we're kind of starting to wake up a bit now to these things like as you say we were we were like atheists and then suddenly it's like humans are starting to wake up and i think a lot of people are like this because i'm talking to a lot of people who are atheists and they're all now they don't believe in jesus god they believe in it's it's like i don't think there's religion is a man-made thing spirituality is uh, human yeah. thing yeah it's, it's like a, it's a, esoteric esoteric <laughs> knowledge is inner knowledge yeah exoteric yeah. is what religion is it's yes. like somebody who is an esoteric teacher teaching you wisdom comes along like jesus and says all this stuff and then they just they they don't want all the inner stuff they just want like the outer stuff <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> like science matter i think science is now going more inner like what you're saying about the universe and stuff like you have science is kind of going down that way now and they're researching more into the non-physical rather than just the material well the cia released articles in 2007 i think it was or they released them recently from 2007 where they actually come out and admit that they have a way to control the fifth dimension yeah the cia have actually admitted this and yeah i've read the articles so you know I don't know. There's a lot of stuff on look. They're going to expose the UFO stuff recently. They're they're more. They, you can see yeah. the tabloids all dipping into the the UFO, trying to water us down and sort of dilute the fears going to come along. Because yeah. Trump put it into his his executive order, something that they would have to expose all UFO things by 180, 180, 180 days after he signed it. So that mm-hmm. I think that was like sixty days ago. So another, I think it's June. That all oh, that the Pentagon has to release a lot of UFO stuff. So I'll be interested yeah. to see that because there's no way in a universe where there's more planets than there are grains of sand on this earth 
that we can be the only intelligent species. Yeah, yeah. Like scientifically, it's it's silly to even think it. Like, but um, like as I say, I think we're talking about dimensions. Like, I see these things. Like you say, when you're in DMT and you're seeing these beings and things like that, I don't think it's necessarily traveling from there to there. It's it's traveling in like there's I don't know time and space. Well, yeah, I'll I'll tell you a story, but one of the DMT trips I had, which was very <coughs> intrinsic. <coughs> Sorry, let me excuse me, my voice. Yeah. Um, I took it, and whatever happened was there was a crazy experience, right? But I was floating. If you imagine, like in water, okay, but the water was only like about this thick, and yeah. I was suspended in the middle of it. So the back of me and the front of me were not in the water. It was only the middle of me. There was this like sort of watery, but it wasn't water. It was a vibration. That's, I know it yeah. sounds crazy, but you might understand yeah. if you've done DMT. There was this vibrational energy that seemed like rippling like water. And I was half in, half out. So my head could breathe. The back of me was dry, but the, in the middle of me was sort of surrounded in this. And yeah. this entity said to me, you need, you need to come. And by the way, the entity, I need to explain this, was me. The entity was yeah. the cosmic me. It was the it was the greater the me, higher, me yeah. the higher yeah. me. I knew yeah. intrinsically. I knew I am talking to me. Yeah. And the me was telling me that in order for me to get further in this journey, I had to let go of my children, and I yeah. couldn't do it. And there was go and the the, the, the other me is going, Paul. They're not your children. You need to understand. You need to let go of this belief that they're your children. You don't own them. No one owns you. No one owns them. Yeah. You're merely yeah. a guy. They have chose, just like you chose to be here. They have yeah. chose to be here. Yeah. And you're merely the vessel they got here. And you're the, your job is to guide them and to try yeah. to help them on this journey. But they're not yours. And the minute you accept that, and I fought this battle, and this this seemed like about an hour, but I kept fighting and it was like resisting. And then I just said, I submitted it. And I was like, okay, right. They're not mine. I accept. I let go of them. They're not mine. And next thing I was like, boom, down this massive vortex. And I was traveling down these circles. And, and then I came out into this river on a boat. And it was like the Amazon. And there was like yeah. these silhouettes. The sun was setting. And there were silhouettes of like trees and big like, like brush and bushes. And, and I was floating down this river of vibration and frequency on this boat. And there was temples and there was pyramids and there was a big massive Buddha. Mm -hmm. But it was a really crazy... And I, the whole the whole experience for me was like understanding that I was talking to me. There was a, there's a there's another part of me somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. And that sounds crazy to people who have never done this yet, and they're probably yeah. going to probably turned off me. <laughs> but yeah. it was a very very profound experience in my life, and it had, it had massive changes for me the way I thought of things. Yeah. I think people need to understand like this is medicine. This is proper. Like like all medicine's yeah. got risks, and you shouldn't just jump into it and take it and go whoa. It's not like it's not a drug to be abused. Yeah. But it's something that can definitely help people with their journeys and their questions in life. Yeah. And what you just said there about your kids, um, that you realize you didn't own them and that they choose, they chose to come here. Like I, like I've had the same experiences, like, and this is the type of thing when you think of things rationally, scientifically, how do people come to the same, um, realizations you know like have these same experiences and when you look at people that have done dmt or or people that are just in yogis or whatever meditating for 20 hours a day you know how do they come to the same things if it, there's nothing to it you know that's a scientific 
the problem with science and my problem, and the problem with society today is, <clears throat> I, well, let's go to yin and yang. I always go to yin and yang about this because life is a balance. Life needs to be balanced. And the yin and yang symbolizes you know, dark and light, light and dark. It needs yeah. to have that equal yeah. share yeah. for it to be in balance. We have went from, say, a thousand years ago where it was all, all like spirits and no one knew the bacteria and we didn't understand it. So we were out of balance. And we've come to this point where we are now out of balance again, but on the science element. So if it, if it can't be explained by science, it's bullshit. Yeah. But what we yeah, need to exactly. understand is we're not designed to know everything. Yeah. As humans, we may think we're above everything else and we're, because we are the, 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 the number one on this planet, we think that we have the answer to everything and we must, but some things in life just aren't meant to be answered. Yeah. Life is a journey and we're, we're here to experience things. And then we're, pro I believe in reincarnation now. So I believe, you know, yeah. boom, you'll die. If you've done, if you've done enough in this life, you'll go somewhere else. If you haven't, you're going to yeah. relive it and you're going to have another experience. And yeah. it's going to give you another life journey. And that's why I think some people die young because I'm a believer that if you die young, it's because you, you've, you've learned the lesson you were meant to learn in this lifestyle. Yeah. And now you have to move on to get the next What you're one. saying, what you're saying about reincarnation, like about a couple of months ago, <laughs> I was thinking about um, the wind. Again, I was having this um, inner experience questioning something about the wind. How does the wind move? And then I was like, it led me down into thermodynamics about the laws of energy. Thermodynamics is a scientific yeah. laws of energy. And when I looked into that, I was researching into it. And the first law of thermodynamics is that energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only change form. And yeah. that is like, that's like, did Jesus say this or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes sense. Like, yeah, you know, like, there's take but that's reincarnation, you know? Wood is the best example for people to understand. You know, you've got a block of wood, you burn yeah. it, the energy is heat. Yeah. So, you know, and then it, it turns from energy from heat to ash, which is another, you know, so it doesn't disappear. Yeah. The wood yeah. substance may disappear, but it's disappeared, creating energy which yeah. in the form of heat. And then what's left is ash. And then ash yeah. into the earth and the earth and up comes nutrients for the soil. And the cycle continues over and over and over again. And the more people, if people just allow themselves to think instead yeah. of just listen to dogma, scientific dogma, religious dogma, and just actually learn to question and go inside themselves because that yeah. Jesus teaching, all the answers are within. You know, everything. Knowledge, yeah, man, that's understanding. Within. That's what's missing from the world. We're being yes. taught just to to repeat we're not taught to like internalize and and that's what true knowledge is is understanding and that's you know like that's what's missing in the way we're being taught like that's painful that's why going inside yeah. going internally going inside yourself listen I, i'm very open i tried suicide multiple times yeah. i've been i've been yeah. depressed many times i have yeah. like i actually know my my triggers now and i've got to the point in my life where if I talk, if I find myself self-conscious, I have self-conversations. We all talk to each other or talk to ourselves. Yeah. My self-conversations start talking about me in the third person. And I instantly know I'm down. I'm depressed. I'm, I'm, that's not depressed. I'm going down a path I need to get out of very quickly. And yeah. I'll talk to Gail. I'll say, Gail, listen, I'm talking to myself in third person. And that's all I need to say. See, just verbalizing to someone else here. I need you to be aware that I'm thinking like this. Yeah. That's you're a shaman you. that's what you are people say the same to me man you're someone who has gone down these paths you felt these emotions and now you can help other people through them because you understand them that's you know what I'm saying? that's the way my training's going my training i would yeah. actually love right now i i'm like it's all hindsight but had i owned fight academy ireland 
if yeah. I if I was me now, right? If the, the me now, if I go back to me when I was 28, before yeah. I opened Fight Academy Ireland, I would do it by myself and I would have the best fight team in this country because I could understand people, but I didn't have I hadn't been down that journey. I done yeah. MMA because I was bullied, I was insecure, like so many people. And I was present, and the reason I didn't enjoy MMA was because I was presenting a front on myself that wasn't the true me. Do you yeah. know, I was trying to be the hard man, the MMA guy, you know, walking about. But yeah. And I was this terrified eight-year-old yeah. child. They all are. We, we, we all are. The problem is, yeah. the, the problem is most of us don't know. I've got the balls to admit it. Yeah. You know, well, do you know, whenever, like, what you're saying about me with fighting and how I was different, like, that was... I like I go to, I've been doing it from day one since I started MMA fighting professionally and I go to an event and I'd see you see the same thing everybody's like Rrr. and I just be like I'm like I'm scared but I'm like I just be me and I and I always thought like even whenever like I I used to get it when I got into the cage I used to get down and I'd meditate to try and control everything all the energies going on around me and I just I'm like no I'm controlling me that's all I need to control but I realized because I used to be that person that make myself look bigger and make you myself. Hated yourself. Mean. You didn't hear that. Yeah, that you hated yourself. Yeah, that can be broken though. Like yeah. you know, whereas, like I just thought, like I'm just gonna show you who I am. I show you that I'm scared, but I show you that I'm not gonna. I'm gonna fight. You know, at the end of the day, if I'm gonna do all I can to survive, you know. Yeah. And. But like, yeah, it's just a waste of energy. I just see like, you know, with people and you know, the moment somebody's all tense and uh, you know, it's just, that's something that can be broken. You know, that's like, yes. that's not the real you. Like, have you, you ever know? had any fight with people that you just went, this boy's at a different level, a different animal? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, I've had a, a few of them fights. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're questioning no, your being. <laughs> Yeah, no, but for me, like for fighting, I I realize it's all knowledge, man. Like, um, I I think I've had different fights with different people at different times, and I I just think, yeah, like if I'd have fought them, it's like you talking about you twenty when you were twenty eight with yeah. FAI, you know, like that is an important part of who you are. You oh, know what I'm saying? This the fight and teaches you that as well. Like I fought Norman Parks. I should never have been in the ring with Norman because he was just a monster, you know, big dude. I'm like, I'm fighting a bantamweight now. Like, and oh, yeah. I fought him at a cat. I fought him at a catchweight of 69. Oh, and I was like, cool. I'd be walking around at 66 kilos, like, and I fought him and he was huge. But um, yeah, so that's one guy. That man is strong. <laughs> <laughs> he's, Norman's, Norman's got a solid wrestling base, and like oh, that is a it. solid wrestling base, you are an absolute animal for other people. Yeah, like I, I back then I was just my my view of fighting was I'm gonna take your head off, like I'm gonna look for a moment you try and hit me, and I'm like slip, bam, 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 you know that was me, and um, it was all takedown defense and slip and rip, and um, Norman closed the distance with me straight away in the fight put me up against the cage and i just remember like i handled myself pretty good like actually wrestling with him what was this show he, this was in tribal warfare galway i'm thinking i think i might have been i think i made out fighters on that fight i think i was the first time comic fought i've got a funny feeling i might have watched that fight yeah i can't find the video man i wish i had the video it was only like he beat me in the end of the first round and but i just remember as i say i was doing good 
but I just felt his strength like was even I actually my in an exchange I took him down I didn't want to go to ground with him I wanted to fight to be on the feet but he grabbed just too simple just grabbed my wrist two hands on one wrist and I remember just feeling like my fingers felt numb that's something see kettlebells that is something I'm really good at yeah, I was just trying to like break his grip, and it was like, nah, I ain't breaking. Roll against the thumb. No, that's not working. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what fuck uh, the what's plan B? Bollocks. Yeah. I was trying to like get up out of his guard, and he was just like big legs wrapped around my waist. Like, I was like, oh shit, this dude is heavy. <laughs> the the yeah. whole thing about MMA is like, it is people need to know. I think more fighters, the more fighters realize it, it's. It's not about you versus the person. It's about you versus you because you've yeah. a loss. Like it's social media is the problem, in my opinion. That's, that's one of the reasons I got out of MMA. I was like, I was sick, so tired of the ego. I was sick, mm. so tired of the internal fighting Fed Academy Iron. I couldn't be arsed anymore. It was just bringing me down. It was making me depressed. It was one of the times near killing myself because it was just bringing me yeah. down. But the ego, the the need, the, the need to like you know. Um, amateur fighters, one fight, their first fight, and they're on Facebook. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill you. I'm Ticket deals. You know, when I fought in MMA, I had to pay yeah. to go away. I had to pay to fucking my, 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 my night stand there. I had to pay to fight. I had to pay to come back home. Yeah. We got it because we loved it. I yeah. think you need to, you, if you're doing it because you want to get paid and you want notoriety, you're not going to last. When you get beat, you're looking, you have to look at yourself and go, where did I go wrong? Because, yeah. It wasn't that's the thing I was with a coach. Um, it's a it's a hard thing because you know when you when they win, it's because they're great. <laughs> and when you lose, this book is your fault. You get me? Of like, course. So it's that's a like, sad state. That's a sadie though. Let's blame everyone else. Let's be a victim. I'm that yeah. victim mindset holds you back from life because I am like we all do it. Like I will blame someone else, but then I'll go away and I'll think and go. Nah, that was you, that kid. That yeah. was you. And the minute, but that's empowering. And I think people need to understand that the, the amount of power that you have inside yourself to actually admit your own feelings. Mm. Once you admit that, then you're free to actually fix it. But yeah. if, if you continuously blame your coach, or you continue to blame your injury, or you continually blame this, that, or the other, it just means you haven't trained hard enough. It just means you haven't yeah. exposed yourself. Maybe you should train with an injury. Maybe you should yeah. train with your arm. And like my uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu instructor in Australia. I've actually done an interview him episode two there. Um, he used to make us train with one arm tied in our belt. And we'd have to yeah. fight with the other guy fighting two arms. And he'd be yeah. like, you don't know when it's going to happen in a fight that your arm gets damaged. And you might have to put your arm in the belt and hold it and fight with one arm. Yeah. But it was yeah. that that uncomfortableness, the exposure to that uncomfortableness, but in the surrounding that you control a lot easier. Yeah. Made the fear of it less, less frightening. And eventually yeah. you were able to just come away from that and then... And I think if you maybe train as if you've got injuries, as, as if you can't use your arm, you can't kick your leg or whatever, it's going mm. to make you think differently on the fight and expose weaknesses that you can then work on. Yeah. For me, like with, um, with the coaching of people, like as I say, like you, you get blamed a lot like when things don't go wrong and you don't get the respect maybe whenever they win. I just think that's just a part of it. And like I just had to accept that and like i just think to myself like the reason why the core thing of why i started fighting was to inspire people was to pass on knowledge and stuff like this and whether like 
whether they my students leave me and go to another gym or whatever else like it doesn't matter as long as I know that I've done good for them do you know what I'm saying yep you know and so that's that was something that I like had to work through because it's always going to happen you know there's going to be people that leave you there's going to be people that um yeah like it's it's not about me do you get me that's the kind of a thing like you know i just yeah. have to that's saying if you love them set them free that kind of a thing but it's some, like I, te- I tell people you can be offensive you yeah. know i could i could i could be racist and call you a name that would be offensive and yeah. i'd be a dick but it's your part but then you're part of not be offended yeah you know, and I think people need to understand that. You know, words, what words people say, if you can, if you have the if you have that strength, then you do go, okay, that's that's an internal issue with them. That they're he's projecting his his fears, his anger onto me. But you if you can see within him that's an internal problem inside him and, and actually not bite, then you remove his power to be able to offend you, hurt you, or do anything with you. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's his words. And people I see, I see society, we're just too easily offended. And we're seriously yeah. offended now we're, we're accommodating those people that are offended as opposed to actually going, no, 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 that's inside you. And if we all could, if we all could become a bit more enlightened and just understanding about these things, well, then yeah. you'll find the society would function a lot, lot healthier and a lot better. Yeah, that's like, as I said, like whenever I used to fight and I used to get in the ring and I'd meditate and I just turn my back to my opponent, that was, that's the exact same thing. We That's what's missing from martial arts today is do you know what i this is the one thing i can control everything out there is irrelevant you know i actually can create this reality outside of me by just controlling this reality do you get me i've went back i've went back to traditional martial arts now because i'm so sick of mma i'm not systema i do got that i I can't grapple because i'm hip at the moment but i can do a bit of systema and systema although it's laughed at and joked at I've experienced that there's no one that's ever hit me harder than anyone who does the stamina. Genuinely, it, honestly, like I remember we're doing, we're doing this drill with Martin, my instructor, and we're ni- a real knife. You're doing it with the speed and you're trying to hit it. And he just yeah. hit me once in the stomach. I was down, couldn't move, like literally paralyzed, couldn't breathe. He picked the knife up and just put it across my throat. And yeah. it, 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 that was a real, I was like, holy shit. When I recovered, I was like, I was dead in the war. I was dead there. Because yeah. I was powerless. The, the, the pain he hit me with was just the same. But Sistema is about breathing. Every, everything revolves. Sistema is Martin's motto to me, and it's the best thing I've ever heard. Is like the first thing you do in life is breathe. The last yeah. thing you do in life is breathe. So that means breath dictates the world. It dictates yeah. everyone's universe. And the minute you can understand how to control your breath, how to control that, and, and actually, when you control your breath, look at Wim Hof, what he can do with his breath. It's yeah. a magical power inside of us, every single yeah. one of us. But the problem is we don't want to put the effort in to learn it because society's taught us Instagram, Facebook. It's like 10 seconds, five seconds, lost interest, lost interest, lost interest. Yeah, we're, yeah. Never we're searching for the answers. Everyone's searching for the fucking answers on Instagram, but the answers are within us if we put yeah. the effort in. Yeah. It, it blows me away how people can't see this. Yeah, yeah. You'd be big in the meditating then, would you? Yeah. Yeah, um, like I just, as you're saying about the breathing, like the breathing is like the equilibrator, you know, like it controls, yeah, just your thoughts, everything, your energy, you know, like it's it's an amazing thing, like just breath. 
And would you bring a lot well, of that into your into your martial arts or your own club? Would you would a lot of your students would they be would you would you actually have time for breathing to try to calm down after sessions? Yeah, yeah. So like I've I've showed them the Wim Hof breathing and I showed them, do you know like um um is like a, yeah, the, a yoga the, oh, breathing uh, technique. Oh. Yeah, I understand. I understand all of it. See my partner, she's yeah. hippie. She is a pure hippie, and yeah. she's into sound therapy and she's into essential oils. She's into all this. Yeah, so I understand the AIOUs and the ow. Yeah, and the how the, the sacred noises and the sacred meaning yeah. of all these noises. Yeah, well, that's the first like the A E I O U the vowels. They're the first language. That's the first um thing that babies speak. Do you know, it's all ah, uh, it's the motion. You know, and they say, like yeah, and if you think of spelling, spell, that's magic. Spelling is the 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 consonants, the C's, they're like the structure that houses the emotions, and that's what the spell is, that's the magic, you know. Breaking that diving that a bit deeper up is that's a bit interesting. I don't really Yeah, um, so like the vowel, vowels is the emotion, the pure yeah. essence. Do you get me? Yeah. Whereas yeah. Spelling as the word spell, it's a spell. Ancients believed in magic, do you know. Right. Today, we think magic is all the hocus pocus stuff, but it's just kind of lost knowledge. Do you get me? Yeah, and um, so spelling the word the, the consonants is like the structure, it's the temple, but right. the vowel is the essence of the spell. Do you, do you understand? Well, yeah, what I, I was watching a show, I, I subscribe to Gaia. I just love all yeah. that sort of, you know, the internal yeah, yeah. mind stuff. I, I love all that type of stuff. It's interesting. And I think it's a forget forgotten. I'm big, I'm big into like lost civilizations and Blackie oh, Happy yeah, yeah. and things like that. But the, Gail was watching a sound, healing water shop, something about sounds. And your yeah. woman said something and I was like, that's amazing. It's like the, the vowels, ah, we, ah, yeah. it's, it's unbroken, it's circular. But if you bring in a consonant, but it cuts break, it off. Yeah, it breaks that, and it actually yeah. it breaks the cycle of the noise, the the, the magical, the magicness of the the yeah. sound. And I was like, yeah. Jesus, that actually makes a lot of sense to me. Do you know? Yeah. You can you can see the way the hum, uh, hum uh, you know, the humming sound, yeah. that, that chanting. And the the um, that's what I would do. I would teach to my students whenever we go to like um like an MMA show and they're nervous and all this stuff, I'd say anytime you feel that nerves, just take a deep breath in. Oh, and that just slows your breathing. It just calms the nerves. It puts you into that, you know, not that tense. Different, different vibration. A different vibration. Yeah. And it counteracts all of the, the negative music because if you go to an MMA show, it's all the do, 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 do. It's like, and the atmosphere, everyone's drinking, so you're all stuck in that lower vibration. So when you do the OM, it brings you in, it controls your own energy source, your own singularity, you know? Yeah, it's, and, an, it's um, a nervous energy, isn't it? There's a, in a show, there's a very, you can feel the yeah. nervous energy. Your friends are watching you. They're, they're nervous for you. They're excited. Yeah. But it, it yeah. can bring you down, you know, it can, it can drive, drive your energy crazy. Yeah. So, like, I, I do teach them the OM. I think OM is like a very powerful tool for just centering yourself. And then then I would teach as well for them when they're fighting is once they've settled themselves, then they can start visualizing, creating, seeing the scenarios. I do actually, before we even go to an MMA event, I, um, 
I've taught like visualization things just to visualize. I actually got that down my notes. I was going to ask you, are you big in the yeah. That was one of the questions I was going to ask. Yeah, are you visualizing, the yeah. So basically, if you know, like visualize the event, if you're fighting on clan wars or something, okay, so you know the clan war setup. Visualize yourself, get into the venue. Vi visualize yourself walking into the changing room area. Visualize the rules meeting, you know? And anytime in these this visualization, when you feel the nerves, visualize yourself taking a deep breath in. Oh, and then controlling your nerves. And then, you know, you, you'll visualize yourself taking all these steps and seeing all the steps happen before they happen. So whenever it does happen in the present, you've, you've done this, you know what to do. Anytime you start feeling that nervous energy, you have, you know, what step to do next, right up until you're stood there facing your opponent in the cage. Do you understand? And how long would you visualize for before your fights? How long would you spend meditating, visualizing, going over what scenarios? Um, like I think by the time, by the time it's fight day, as I say, I have I visualized everything that's gonna take place on that day, be it like driving to the venue or um, somebody telling you to wrap your hands. You know, to somebody saying, "Okay, you're up next." The fight that you're up next. The fight's on now, so just be ready. You know, like everything. It's like, yeah, like I think you have to visualize. Every, it's like again, it's a tool that we're not um, being taught. It's a lost, lost knowledge. I is visualization? Sorry, you know, because go ahead, yeah, keep because talking, like, sorry. Ah, sorry? Keep talking. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. I'm saying keep talking. But yeah, it's a it's a lost tool of um of knowledge, like you know, like a visualized being able to like humans naturally see patterns, you know. So like if you see patterns and things, you look back on yourself, you see that's what karma is. You see the patterns of good, bad choices yeah. of everything, of every action that we've ever done, you know, then you can you can see things, you can change things. You know, or you can look ahead, and even though it's not good to stay looking in the future and in the, the past, it's good to be in the present. But that's what preparing. You have to be prepared at the same time. You know, for what's going to happen. It's empower. It's empowering to know what's going to. I spoke to Andy Burroughs yesterday about this. We're sort of talking about it, not the visualization, but the um as a coach if people don't understand like for example you just said about visualizing all these different scenarios yeah like when i'm when i was coaching fighters i am exhausted by the end of cornering far harder than i'd ever be fighting yeah because i'm like i'm living the i'm visualizing their fights i'm i'm acting i'm i'm dodging i'm weaving i'm i'm doing all these movements grab his arm you know you're literally fighting with your with your fighter only you yeah. have no control of the situation and, that's where and then when they then when they lose, you're like, oh, you feel you're trying to lift them back up, and you've got to get somebody else hyped up again for their fight. It's so it's hard, hard, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah, so it's hard. Give me two seconds. This dog has been busting my balls to get out the toilet for two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> two seconds. Two seconds. I'll go and throw some. Yeah. Jackson, come on, get out. Jackson, you're going to throw some Oh, sorry about that. This dog of mine is a pain in the arse. Hmm. 
he just he's oh. he's only 16 months old and he's just a pain in the holes where he is. But he's yeah. cool. But yeah, so we're saying there, sorry, I interrupting that. Um, yeah, that is one of the hard things about amateur sports and especially MMA. You know, you're dealing with kids and a lot of them are kids, you know, like I classify anyone under 30 as a kid now. You're, yeah. still, you're still haven't understood yourself, but very few of you understand yourselves at under the age of 30. Um, yeah. But the, the ego, the, the social media aspect, when you get beat in front of a thousand people and then it's all over Facebook and people are asking you, you know, as soon as they get, as soon as they lose, boom, their energy's down and you can lose that kid very easily. A defeat can yeah. actually make them a fighter, but it can, they can lose you like the next McGregor, just if, if it's not handled properly. And then as a coach, you have to try to get him up and you're down because you've just, you've felt that loss as much because it's your team yeah. you're representing and you've put the effort yeah. in and you're you're questioning yourself, did I do enough? Was it my fault? Or was it... And then you go take another guy out 10 minutes later yeah. and you have to try to be up for him and he's he's seen his teammate get beat. It's a very hard sport and unless you're mentally prepared, yeah. I mean, you, you're losing out. I think too many people put the focus on cram, jiu-jitsu and boy tie and boxing and the sparring and there's no effort put in towards the actual mental aspect of the game. Yeah, understanding sure. that it's a fight, a slip could mean you can fall and, and lose a fight. Anything can happen. And I think you have to meditate on the fact that it's a possibility you will lose a fight and how yeah. do you respond from that loss. I don't think you should you should focus on, I'm going to lose. Yeah. But you should focus on, okay, if I lose, how do I respond? Yeah. Because so, you're really... Yeah. A, mar like a martial artist, like, a coach as well because you're at the end of the day you're teaching them to be coaches to be like you know true martial arts and um you have to be like a expert basically in so many different things like to do with nutrition uh psychology you know martial arts like move skills Fitness, you know like, just you have to be to be a good coach, coach to be a good teacher, you have to be know it all, you know. And but the, ultimately, you need to still control yourself because if you're, if you understand how to lift people up and how to get them to like to invoke emotions in them to to like um, trigger, because I think like with everybody, like we all basically run on autopilot. Of so course. basically. You know they've been you're training them to to program their subconscious so that whenever the fight happens it just you know that takes on but um but yeah you have to be in control of yourself even more so because as you say you get somebody hyped up they go and fight they lose or they win you know and then you've got to center yourself again to go and do it straight away again for the next person so i think like yeah i think we're, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's flipping. It's tough. Like definitely, coaching, coaching's harder than fighting. Yeah, it really is. And I learned that. Like I didn't. I was never a fighter. I said this yesterday. I was never a fighter. I was. I fought because I wanted to coach. And I'm a believer yeah. that you have to know the experiences, the emotions. You have to experience everything before you can actually pass on useful knowledge. Yeah. Now, Andy said perfectly. Greg Jackson never fought. I understand that. But yeah. I, it's just my personal belief that I think you're a, you're a more equipped coach if you can. Yeah, I'm the same. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think you have to you have to walk the walk. Like, you don't 
you can't even if you're a very smart person and you can break down skills you, you can't you have like you have to be able to internalize with these people you know through what they're going you have to see what they're going through inside them during a moment of a fight a moment of chaos and be like snap out of it <laughs> you can see you know in a yeah. fight a fight like if you're good at if you're understand what fight is you can see the edge you're here like in battle to talk about battles the edge of the battle they can see it the tide of turning and they can see yeah. you can see that and sometimes you know i remember one fighter i won't mention his name because he's a good friend of mine yeah, and we all go through it, but he got hit a big right hook, massive. Mm. Your man's on ban, it rocked him, and that was the fight over. And that's when yeah. he round one. And I knew the fight was over because he was hesitant. He just was he was in that zone where he, he was on defensive the whole time. He wasn't willing to attack. Yeah, he was focused yeah. on that. That one punch had imprinted a memory in his mind so strong that yeah. it was overriding all his other abilities. Yeah, and you, no matter what I said, him just get in, do it. He yeah. just couldn't, he couldn't do it. It's like the fear. And then if your man threw that hook again or threw a shot, he was back into that, oh my God, I'm going to rock again. And yeah. it's, and I think that's, I think part, partly that's the coach's problem. The coach's coach should have anticipated this type of thing happening. And we should have discussed this and put in procedures, like you said, the meditating and the visualization to yeah. help get over that. Now, but at that stage, I was not into this type of stuff. I was just all ego and yeah. with bravado and trying to pretend to be someone who wasn't but i wasn't fighting you're still a fighter aren't you you're still you're still actively fighting yeah yeah it's um when i when i said i was gonna to people that i was gonna be setting up shaolin mma i um people were like oh you can't do both you can't be a fighter and a coach well, that's and, my next question it is like again it's i it is hard but at the same time i think you can you can do it and for me like as i say fighting was never it was it was both for personally for me to learn it's like a, a dmt trip for me every time i fight an ego death and um but it's always been about um changing the world do you get me inspiring yeah. people building my network now that I've, I've just shown people like me getting into the cage, not being like this macho man showing like bringing back spirituality to martial arts because MMA in, in particular was very um, taking the practical elements it's hard. from the traditional arts and then leaving the essence from where the traditional arts originally came from, you know? So, and then not just that, even the world thing, the, the stuff that's going on in the world, it was, that was the core reason why I started fighting. Um, and yeah, so I fight for, I think of all the things I'm fighting for. And then that's how what empowers me when I'm fighting. Do you understand? Yeah, brilliant. I think it's fantastic. That's how I, over, that's, that's how I overcome. But I, yeah, going I, back to the fighting and coaching, it's it's hard, but at the same time, it's kind of like leading by example. Do you get me? Yeah. And um, the last cage conflict, actually, that was the most, it was the hardest fight for me. That, that was my last fight. But um, but it was the most special one. It was hard because I had about six fighters fighting on the same card as me. I was coaching them all. And then I searched, like literally a few minutes later, I jumped in the cage, fought myself. And then 
my student came in and fought straight after me, Andreas Binder, he fought for their welterweight title. And I literally just rushed to see the doctors jump straight back in the cage with him for his fight. And like, but again, it was tough. It is tough being a, co a coach and a fighter, but it's, you can do it. And I think it's more about your own self-mastery, being able to control your energy when you can learn to, when you understand energy, everything is energy. And when you understand energy, how to control your energy and other people's energy, then you can, you know, you can manage that energy. A fight in itself is a control of energy, using your knowledge yes. of energy to control energy. See, you know this is, in the fight. But this is where people need to understand. Like, you know, when you push me, that is energy. Yeah. When you pull, when I yeah. pull you, that's energy. And yeah. that's what jujitsu is. You know, jujitsu is the art of, you know, going with the least resistance and yeah. it's the energy and, and not resisting the energy. Yeah. Working with the energy, and that's I think, I think today we're in the world we live in. It's a it's an angry world, and MMA is full of angry people. Do you know, yeah. it's like people who are looking for an outlet for their anger and repress and repression or repression, and it's it's coming across, and I I see it more and more often. People are just wanting to like her ego, and they want to kill. I want to fucking take your health. And McGregor would be fucking one of the reasons behind this now. Whether yeah. what you think of McGregor is up to you. I'm I'm on the fence with him. There's sometimes I do respect him. I highly respect him. You can't respect, you can't not respect what he's done. You know, mm. when he was 16, yeah, he said he's going to be the yeah. UFC champion of the world. So you have to respect that. And yeah. I've never had more respect for the man than when he's when he got beat by Diaz. How he how he took that beating and he didn't blame anyone else, but he in the interview straight after he looked at himself and I was like, Wow, I've just found respect for you up until yeah. then. I didn't like what he's doing and I don't like the slobbering, but I understand why he's doing it. It's a business. Yeah. It's not about martial arts anymore. It's about making money. And that's yeah. sadly what this MMA game's about now. People yeah. are to try to make a career and not actually try to better themselves. And that's where I think the disconnect is. And I would just like yeah. to see, I would just like to see it like it going down a bit to your game. We'll go back to the balance, the yin and yang. I'm seeing though, I'm seeing like change in McGregor. And like, yes. I, I think that's a, a a uh, more important message what in his life is change in all of our lives you know like we're talking about our he's a young man he's still very day. young yeah yeah very young and he's like i think his actions have caused damage but his his learning can just change all of that he's got such a big neck big neck uh network that yeah like i think i hope he stays on that path and i think he will because if you as you say you look at how the only reason why he's as good as he is is from self-reflection you yeah. know and self-improvement you know so yeah yeah so i don't know i just think i think there needs to be a change and, and i think coaches need to be more open to realizing they are the influence their fighters are. The coach, I look at a fighter and I'll go, I know his coach. Yeah. Yeah, you'll know whose coach he is just because the majority of the fighters will reflect the way the coach coaches. Is yeah. how the coach talks to the fighters, how the coach gets on. That's going to be reflected in the team. And I think yeah. I, I think coaches need to be like the foundation. No one sees the foundations. You know, yeah. the foundations are ugly. The foundations are discussed, they're born to, to the hard work. But they're the most yeah. important part of building a house, building a palace or a castle. Yeah. And yeah. 
It's like a father, a parent. A coach is a parent. Too many coaches want to be the top of the pyramid. They want to be the people that one that everyone looks up to. But you can't be, you've got to be the the silent one. I think John Kavanagh does it very well, actually. John Kavanagh's he's very good at you know just being a coach and very calm in the corner, but never really taking the limelight, just slowly walking away. I I respect John for that. I do respect him. Same as Davy, my coach Davy Patterson, another very quiet man. Yeah. No, no one really sees at things, but it's those small words, though, those simple words that he uses that he yeah. says to you personally that make a big difference and get the best out of you. And I think yeah, they're very coach, rational people, very yes. rational people. But at Can the you, same at the same time, though, I do think it's very important to be to not be um, like to to be emo- emotion is important. Rational uh, rationalizing stuff. And being able to break down in a knowledgeable way, you know, of what to do, steps to do in a fight is very important. But also the other side of the coin, the right brain, you know, the emotion, understanding the internal processes that this person is going through, not just in, the the fight, in their in their day-to-day lives. And I find a lot of these coaches, like what you're saying, are they're good on one spectrum, but they don't um address each person individually and what they're going through or do you get me i do i think i know what you're saying i think that would be very hard though in the sense that well i suppose it's the culture you you actually cultivate in your gym and you're it, yeah. it's, the, it's the coach's job to find the right fighters for his and it's like i the business i run the strength and conditioning program the gym i run like I have no problem getting rid of a of a member who doesn't suit my my ethos. If I find yeah. one member bringing down, if I'm not willing, to, if I'm not wanting to coach this person because it's just like he's draining my energy, yeah. I don't And it's not that I want to be a dick. It's just that I know that if I'm in that sort of energy field, I am not going to respect my other fighters. I'm not going to be able to give my other fighters who who deserve my respect and deserve my effort and listen to what I say. I'm yeah. not giving them my full effort. So I think it's I'm doing them a disservice to try to accommodate one person. And if I ever went back into MMA coaching, and to be honest, I'm, I need a hip replacement, so I can't do anything at the moment, but there's something, <laughs> in me, something in me is just going, I want to coach again. I, I'm feeling like I'm teaching my girlfriend, my fiance, how to grapple, and she's phenomenal. Yeah. She's unbelievable at grappling. And I think she's going to be Irish champion in a couple of years' time in the jiu-jitsu when she gets the head. She's putting me under pressure. <laughs> but it's just getting that buzz again. I'm just, I'm just see that technique. I love breaking down techniques, and I have always got this really big buzz from watching someone hit their first armbar or yeah. do, a, do a really slick movement, and they just go, "What? What the fuck just happened?" Yeah, it's, it's an ego. Don't get me wrong; it's purely ego yeah. on my part as well. Like you're going, "Yeah, I don't that," but it's awesome yeah. to know that your your knowledge, your sharing, can have such a positive impact on other people's lives. Yeah, especially beginners. Um... I stopped teaching beginners for a good while because I had so many advanced fighters that I was training. And then I went back after we had the fire in our gym and I started teaching all the classes again myself, all of them. And I was teaching beginners and I just was again, I was like, you know what? Another lesson for me, this is the most important. Well, not the most important, but it's such an important aspect of it because you get to see them you're their first experience into the world of martial arts. Do you get me? Yeah. And like that, what you're talking about, that first time doing an arm bar or when they have, you, you get to see them have that realization, you know, of how this works and how that empowerment, 
Jesus, this can save me or whatever. Somebody who has a, they have, they think that this is what fighting is and suddenly they get taken down and they're like, oh, you know, some people that do MMA beginners courses, they think that um, fighting is traditional Irish, you know, I'm going to box yeah. the head of you like, and then you get to see them understand, okay, if somebody grabs a hold of me, then <laughs> I'm in a whole world of trouble, you know, so. MMA I think, became like, a chaos. Yeah, it taught me like that. Yeah, that beginners, that introduction level is so important. Teaching people at all levels is great. But yeah, like there's something special about teaching someone. It's the it's the first, it's like a greeting, meeting someone for the first time. It's yeah. like um yeah, like a fresh, fresh person walks into the gym and it's like, how's it going, man? You know? <laughs> I've uh like I'm in the unique, unique position in this country of being like I was the first coach. Well, Davey was the coach. But I was yeah. one of the main coaches to get to the to bring a fight to the UFC. You know, in 2007, yeah. I was what I was, I coached Stevie Lynch. So I've experienced like grassroots and I've experienced 9,000 people cheering for my fighter. And it was like, whoa, it was such a buzz. And I wasn't was screaming my name, but Jesus, I got the brush from that. Yeah. But I will tell you right now, for me personally, I would give up that every day to get the buzz that I get from teaching a young bullied kid showing them the skills they have within themselves. They just need yeah. to work on it. It's it's seeing that realization in someone else that your knowledge and what you've spent years accumulating and fucking cultivating has yeah. is able to help someone else's life in a positive way. To me, that's yeah. much, much, but I would, I would, if someone said to me, you're going to go to the MMA and you're going to have 10 UFC fighters, but you're never going to get this UFC again. I'd say, as long as I get to see the kids blossom, yeah, that's my job, Dominic. Like I said, I don't need the glory, and I think a lot of people want to go UFC for glory. Yeah. I just want to see people change their lives. Yeah, if you love them, them, set them free, man. All yeah. there is is yeah. knowledge. Knowledge is just there to be passed on to the next person. Long after our names are gone, just the knowledge is there. Like um, old sayings that think of where do these sayings come from? Like when you go out, somebody says, um, "What is it? Uh, take what you need." Better, better to have something and not need, need it, it and need, it, not need it. something and not have it. Yeah. Things like that. You know, who came up with that saying? They're probably long gone, but that knowledge is just there. I really use that saying all the time. That's what we are like, you know, long after our names and are gone, the things that we've done and passed on just live on. Like I, like the, I like the explanation of three deaths. You know, your, your, your first death is the death when you actually, your body dies and you lose your consciousness. The second yeah. death is when you are put in the ground. And the third death is when your name's spoken for the last time. Yeah. And I would say the, the more you do in life. That's nice. I haven't heard that live, before. That's nice. I, mean, really nice. I like it because when there's, there's people like I know, like my grandfather was my hero. He was my, yeah. and he's dead. 50, I was 29 when he died, right? He died on my birthday on 20, when I was 29. And he, he is mentioned by me to someone every single day. So he is yeah. still alive. Still alive yeah, I tell this story all the time to people and it's, it's stupid, but it's something that's really profound to me. It's like my granddad, when I was eight, the Mullockmore, he used to bring us to Mullockmore every year. I love the place. And I cracked this rock open and he goes, Paul, the light is shining this rock. It's the first time it's shown it in maybe 5 billion years. And this just blew me away. I was like, because of that, <laughs> But that one, I can see why you remember him. Like he sounds like a cool guy. 
But that one thing, as an eight-year-old yeah. child, that one thing started my journey under the universe and has ended up here. So my grandfather's influence, he is, he is, I am the man I am because of that man. And he, he's not dead, he's still alive. And I've actually, if you want to go really deep, DMT, I've met him twice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen him twice on DMT. So he's yeah. not dead. But that is very, very, like, I, I don't think people understand the words you can have and the effect you can have in people's lives. It could be a generational thing. It could be something, someone so small and profound because I've done that to my daughter. And my daughter's now massively in the universe and I bought her an encyclopedia on stars and space. Yeah. And she knows the entire, since she was four, she knew all the planets. And But that's because of my granddad. Yeah. So that's possible. Well, my, like, my, my father dying like had such a big effect on my life. I was six years old when my dad passed away. And um, so I have... I clung, I clung to memories of him that I had. I only had six years of memories of him. And some of the memories, I don't even know if they're memories or things, stories that people passed on to me or pictures. And, um, but with my kids, like I thought I got over my dad's death, especially when I had like awakening experiences in my life and stuff like that. But when I had my kids, I realized that my, my wife's, parents were there and my mom was there but they were missing this my dad you know and um so that that kind of brought me made me really sad and um at that moment in my life and I've like basically passed on the knowledge of my dad that I have to my kids and even though my my kids have never met him they they know him and I even I even create stories out of nothing. I make them into like a complete like <laughs> neat legend, like you know. But, you know, but, so, but um, I think you need to understand. Mainly, like your father is your first hero as a yeah. man. Do you know? Yeah. And I was talking about again. I was talking about this now. The mental health aspect. There are a lot of children in this, and that were in a generation, second generation of single mothers, and there's a lot of men out there who need. I, a guidance of a man yeah. like you, you know, you yeah. you are you're the type of. If I had a son and I died, and I I would want my my son's martial art coach to have your philosophies because yeah. I know you're gonna ha they're gonna be in good hands. And I, it's what I don't like about MMA. It's like you've got a lot of guys in the late who are just too egotistical, too insecure themselves, and they take it out. They're not capable of being coaches. I was like that. I'll be honest. I there was a, there was an aspect of me that I do not like about myself, and I was. I was almost a bully, I would say. And, yeah. and sometimes if it, if it took a dislike into someone, it wasn't a good trait of mine. It was a horrible trait of mine, in fact. And it's something that I've had to go inside myself and reflect on. And I've actually walked up to people and apologized. I've said them, like, listen, I'm, a, I'm sorry, I was a dick to you. I know it's too late. That's why I like you, Paul, because I know for a fact like that you're that type of person. You know, like, you're, you're just real, you, you know? You have to be. You have to have the yeah. ball. See if you're, see if you're a dick. Yeah. Like, listen, prime example, myself and Gail, right? Gail is the love of my life. She is just everything I've ever wanted in a woman. But when the two of us fight, if I'm in the wrong, I will, rah, 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 rah. And then I'll walk away and I'll come back and go, I'm sorry. But see if I'm yeah. in the right, I won't speak to her for three days until she apologizes to me because I ain't going out somewhere. <laughs> like, if I have to sleep on the sofa for three days, I will sleep on the sofa for three days because I am oh, so man. fucking, I, but I am so like, you know, I have got my moral principles 
And yeah. I will not budge them for anyone. That's why I'm so outspoken about COVID. And I don't care who I offend. I'm just like, fuck these. No, it's like, this needs to be spoken about. <laughs> There's other aspects of fucking death, you know. And I yeah. just, that's who I am. But I think it's very important that people be proud of who you are. Be yeah. willing to be who you know you are. But also, they be real, man. Your faults, accept your yeah. flaws and work on them. And then admit when you're wrong. Yeah, 2019. New Year's night, me and uh, my partner were doing some spirit plants, and um, the next I had an ego death. I, uh, I had I had an ego death that night, and I literally the thing something came to me. I ended up like ringing people that like I hadn't spoke to in ages, and all just like saying sorry and trying mending relationships and things like this. But one of the things that came to me was um stop being what the world wants you to be start being what the world needs you to be oh you know? that's profound yeah and like that's that's on my instagram account again still to, to now like it's and that's what the world that's a that message for me awesome. individually but, yeah I'm, I'm stop being what, yeah stop being what the world wants you to be start being what the world needs you to be and like that's i think you can look at the world now and you could think that's what people need to be doing like you know like we're so influenced by a small minority of people and we need to like just think look at your past look at your karma of your past that'll tell you change the things you don't like about the reality you were brought into you know you were born into and use the things that you do like about your like what you're talking about your granddad you know and things like this use use that to change the future the good things you know so look back at the bad that'll show you your give you your purpose i have just wrote that line down genuinely that yeah. is one of the most profound sounds i've ever heard yeah that, that that's gonna be that's gonna be one of those ones that i'm gonna i'm gonna steal out of you i'm gonna use that myself ah, it's I'm not gonna... mine man it's just there like as i say we tap into these things and you know that's we're... phenomenal that, that i think like i said words words have power like you yeah. can you can destroy a life or you can lift a person up with words. Yeah. I don't think people need, and that's the that's the danger about Instagram and Facebook because see you and I, if we did if we disagreed, if we were in a gym, we disagreed, you can guarantee we're going to fight and we'll punch the face of each other and who someone will win, someone will lose, but there'll be a newfound respect, yeah. and there'll be there'll be a handshaking and it'll be forgotten about. But what we've got today is we've got a whole world, a whole generation of kids who are scared, insecure. Don't think they fit in, and they've got a keyboard, and they can see, they can take their anger out, and they don't realize what they write is there forever. It's on the internet forever. Yeah. Back and bite them in the ass, but ultimately, but more than that, it could destroy. It could push someone to kill themselves. Yeah. And and we do what, that out of anger ourselves. What you were saying about punch in the face, like <laughs> me, like because at the moment, like with lockdown, travel bans and stuff, like I'm basically I'm training in different locations all around County Galway with different students trying to help them you know, stay healthy, fit, positive. And um, one of uh, my students, Park Hannon, legend, man. And anyway, he had got the bus up to a location where we were training. And um, after we were training, we were doing some sparring. Like, so we had like a lot of heavy rounds of sparring and I was dropping him back to the bus after training. And when he said goodbye to me, he turned around and it, I just, you have to picture his face. He goes, thanks for debating. <laughs> <laughs> and just 
just the, the fist pump. Thanks for the beating, as in, like, thanks for the knowledge. <laughs> but, uh, oh, man. We're Shout a different out to breed of people. Yeah. MMA fighters are a different... Fight, any fighter, proper fighter, yeah. is, a di- is a different mindset than the average man. Yeah. Is. And when it's, you need to get punched in the face once in your life to understand the fear of getting punched is worse than getting punched. Yeah, and my wife one time, like, I was just sitting... Legs crossed, facing her, chatting, a real deep conversation with her. And she was looking at me and she kind of like put her hand on my jaw and my shoulder, my body's all like this, kind of this formed. And uh, she's trying to straighten out my body. And and I was like, you can just see Michelle De Silva, who's my BGJ coach, the form my, my body's in. You can just <laughs> see him around me, like choking me or something. <laughs> like, this is Michelle right here. <laughs> Oh, uh, we were in stitches laughing. When like we're it. talking about the, when we're talking about MMA, what happened? Yeah. To fire? What happened to Jim? What happened to Fire? What was what was the cause or what what was the story behind it? Ah, uh, it was it was just flipping old Jim, man. And um, so when like I don't know nothing about business, I just like this is what I have to do. This is where my my future lies. So I I kind of like signed the lease for this gym. It used to be Goway uh, Goway City Forms. It was like a printing company, right. a printing factory or something. And, but it was the empty, the unit was empty for years. And when we moved in, so I just basically, I looked at, when I looked at the place, I looked at the layout and I said, oh, this be perfect for what we need. So it basically, I never changed much about it. The electrics and all was all normal. Like, and there was a, yeah, it was a fire, electrical fire from, a fluorescent, an old fluorescent strip lighting bulb. And in the back room, it wasn't even a room that I was using. It was just like a storage room and yeah, caught light. Luckily it happened. It was like 9 PM, the last, after the last session of the day. And somebody said, Ben, I smell smoke. So I literally just ran upstairs, seen where it was coming from. I ran in, started like I had two, I didn't know what type of fire it was. I was so stupid. I, my head was just like, I can't let this place burn down. This is my, yeah. this is the our home, the temple. And so I kind of like, I stupidly, the door was locked and I just broke the door open. You know, they say about backdraft, backdraft. and fire like that. So luckily that didn't just blow up in my face, but I had two fire extinguishers. I went into this little storeroom and I was trying to like fight this. Uh, I couldn't see where the fire came was coming from because it was just thick black smog and I could just see a glow anytime I sprayed the extinguisher in it was like it was literally like a dragon no lies when I was spraying the water at it it was like going I get angry <laughs> yeah and so I was like trying to fight it and then a, a cable this is how I knew it came from the fluorescent bulbs because a cable that was on fire as I say, it looked like a, a dragon because it was literally like flailing Strange. around the place, spark still sparking. And then luckily Park Hannon again, the student I was just on about, like um, he just literally grabbed me from behind and just pulled me out and just says, man, you have to leave it, leave it Ben, like, you know, and yeah, that was run downstairs. And the fire brigade was on their way and we just sat there and watched the place burn and like it was a horrible experience. But at the same time, it's like 
it brought us together as a community. Everybody realized um, the essence of what we're about like. And as I say, we called it the temple. That was what we called the gym, the Shaolin temple. And um, it re I realized when we had no gym that the temple is in here. That's what Shaolin was. And all the people that were outside watching the place burn down that were consoling me, you know, saying, don't worry, Ben, we'll build this back again. Don't worry. You know, like it, it was... makes you feel it, it, that's like it's same a primal. My members have supported me through lockdown religiously. Yeah. They're amazing. Like I, I just yeah. genuinely can't thank my members enough for what they're doing for me. But it makes you realize it, it, it gives you a sense of pride. And it's good to feel proud that you know, you've built yeah. something that's affected other people's lives in a way that they want it to be there. And they want it's yeah. like it's more than just a business, it's a family. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, and that's. I think that's why I left Freddie Camry Ireland. I, I didn't feel the family feel anymore. I felt like an outsider. I cre yeah. I, I started that place from a. I started it as Progressive Camp of Belfast out of the Falls Leisure Centre, yeah. moved it moved it to the new place, but I felt it just got too big, too fast, too many chiefs, not enough Indians, and I felt yeah. to myself this is not this was. I didn't know what it was then. QCM shamanic, but maybe my experience in life. There was something internally telling me this was no no longer mine. I'd lost it, you know, and it took a long time to get over it. But it's the best thing ever happened to me now that I've yeah. I've flourished, I've blossomed, I've become the man that I needed to become to do what yeah. I want to do. But it, it took that painful lesson of, of realizing how not to make how not to run a business to help me to yeah. run a business. It's like it is hard. And like I said, what coaches, what you were saying earlier, actually, about how a coach sets the precedence for the the atmosphere inside that that place, that temple. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, that's that's hard, as you say. If there is, um, it's kind of like an ideological thing as well. Thinking about a council of people, some too many, too many heads, not enough. Whatever you said. Yeah, yeah, like so. Sometimes it can be good, you know. Two head, two, um, two minds are better than one. But at the same time, if there's, it's like a democracy. Sometimes if bad fruit get in there and manipulate everybody else, it can. So, That's exactly what yeah. happens. It's the ego, the ego of insecurity. If you've got a coach, like I said, who's insecure, that can breed insecurity. And the insecurity, when you're insecure. Look what's happening today. People who yeah. are insecure, people who are fearful, easily controlled, easily yeah. manipulated. So if you're in, and that's an intern, like in a smaller version, if you're in, a, in a, like an environment where the leader is insecure, isn't the true leader, is, yeah. is more just, you know, they're, it's about them, themselves or they're trying to deal with their own insecurities. Yeah. And it can, it can lead to the rest of the group and that can cause problems. And that's what, that's what happened for me. And rather than fight against it, I just thought, you know, so I'm gone. And yeah. that, for me, I took a lot of balls. It took a lot yeah. of balls to, because I, because like I am the original founder. It was me who started it and me who founded it. And it was painful to, oh, to, to walk away from everything you built because mm -hmm. I think people forget that when before me, there was no, I was the first full time, fully equipped MMA gym in this country. Yeah. We had, every, everyone had like these sheds, mats. But no one had like a cage, no one had like a weights area, no one had like a designated matted area and punch bags everywhere. Yeah, I place. remember seeing like your the gym set up and I was thinking, oh, it's, it's nice. It was the first, yeah, it was 
by the, by the time I left, we had three rooms, a full, full size wrestling mat, cage, another fighter's room with a cage with a cage wall in it, another matted area. Just it was a it was a phenomenal set out, to be honest, especially yeah. for two guys who who I, I started with uh, Liam and it was what he put six grand in it and I maximum credit cards out. Do you know it was a ballsy move? And I, I like now I actually hope it goes well. I hope it I, now I have no I hold no ill ill feelings towards anyone. It's, there's no point. It was only me holding myself back by holding harm harvesting that sort of hatred. I hope yeah. it goes well. I'd like to see I'd like to see it do very well because ultimately it's part of my history. And I can always turn around and say, if if some kid got to the UFC, I could turn and say, well, in some strange way, I was the one facilitated yeah. that. I might yeah. have been part of his training, but without my actions, that wouldn't happen. And it's I hold a sense of pride in that no matter what. But yeah. um what's the idea? You fought in Malta. Yeah, um Centurion Fight Championships Gallo. Malta. Yeah. Gallo. I know Gallo very well. Gallo, yeah, yeah. I remember I, you said to me about Gallo, say hello to Gallo. <laughs> I, I actually I lived in Malta for four months yeah, with a guy who was I can't even tell the story. This story is just too illegal. But this guy was <laughs> <laughs> a lot of stuff that like from my um experience in Malta, there's a lot of illegal stuff that goes on over there. It yeah. seems like a Myth. I don't know, like it's like a tax haven or something like that. I don't know. It just I'm talking mafioso illegal. It was insane. Yeah. I walked down. I walked down the street with this guy, and there was people running up and kissing his hand, like it was something that a good fella. He's like, oh, 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 thank you very much. Thank you. And I'm going. Yeah. I'll tell you how crazy it is. There was this guy <laughs> in Malta, right? This one guy, he was covered. I mean, like I'm covered in tattoos, but I mean, there was yeah. not a part of his body was not covered, but it was covered in names, right? Yeah. And basically, what he done was he he got anyone's name. That he met tattooed on him, and he mm. met this guy. So this guy, who I'm not going to, whose name I will not mention, his name was tattooed over his heart, over your man's heart, because he had done so much for him. And he goes, "What's your name?" And I, my nickname was Bucca. Fucking week later, he walked there. There's Bucca tattooed. <laughs> 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 I don't even know you, Rocket. <laughs> it, it was just fucking madness. You ready to take my name off your chest, man? <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. I lived there for four months. It was it was unbelievable. I lived in a bougie bar. Yeah. And I'll tell you another story. Again, I won't mention his name. But so so because I this is when this is when I was MMA. I was probably was 25. So I was in the prime in MMA. I was really training hard. And there was out like, training in Malta. I found a gym and I was like hitting the bag and just doing my best to keep myself fit. And uh the guy comes in, the guy who I know comes in, he goes, Bugger, come on, we need to go somewhere. So I was like, right, okay. So he drives down to Bougie Bar. Did you go to Bougie Bar? No. Who? Bougie Bar. Did you go to Bougie Bar, part of Malta? No. Um, no, I was oh. like, I was on the coast. I kind of had um, Gallo put us up in an apartment. And, um, yeah, just, yeah, I was, I can't remember what it was called actually. It was just somewhere on the coast. Is oh, that yeah. whole place was just like hotels. Restaurants. That sounds like some Paul's yeah. and Julian, something like that. But well, we were he he this guy has loads of shops in St. in a bougie bar. He yeah. sort of controlled he controlled bougie bar. He had a, he had like sort of like a you will get a business and you won't get a business type of sway in this place. Yeah, yeah. And he walked he he drove up to this uh kebab shop. It was Turkish guys or something or some some sort of guys in that, uh, that neck of the woods. And um he opened the boot. <laughs> he just grabs a baseball bat and a chain out. With a padlock. 
Bloody hell, it's really a baseball panic. It was commendable. Because <laughs> you're Irish, man. Right? He's like, ah, oh, this guy, I know. <laughs> and then he comes in and he chains the door together. He chains the door closed. And there's these guys with machetes fucking cutting these big slabs of meat. And I'm standing there going, and they start talking like in Moroccan language. Really, and I'm just going, what the fuck? And then he points, cage fighter. And I just went, what the fuck is he doing? There's five of these cunts with machetes. There's fucking me with a baseball bat and him. And, he, <laughs> and they're speaking a language they don't understand. And they're screaming yeah. the way um, the, the Arabs and the, the, these, these races, they, 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 they shout loud. Like when, they're, when yeah. they get animated and they're like, blah, 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 blah. And I am sitting there going, if he goes, these guys have got fucking new papers. I am fucked. <laughs> and this goes on for about three minutes and I have no idea. And I'm trying to act hard. Getting myself. And then he just then he just calmed down to shake hands and they walk out. And, I was, and he opens the gate, he opens the chain again and walks out. And I was like, what the fuck was that about? He's like, oh, they owed me money. They wouldn't pay. So I told him you were a cage fighter. You want to kill him? And I was going, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It was funny. You're well implicated. <laughs> have you been to Malta just once, or have you been over there? Gallo got you over again. I was over there twice. I had two fights over there, and um, yeah, amazing experience. Um, as I say, I'm into ancient history and stuff like you. Uh, like you Valera, are. Valencia is unbelievable in it. What I yeah, I I literally the night before I fight is always a very spiritual time for me. Like I go walking out uh, and wherever. And I went walking up that coastline and I noticed in the, in the sea, so even a couple of meters beneath the sea level, there's all these like geometric straight like carvings in the yeah. ocean bed. And I was like, and I asked someone about them like, and they were like, oh, they were done by the, the Romans. And I was like, but sure, like it's under the sea, you know? And um so they were like, even whenever I said it to them, they were like, yeah, <laughs> it's under the sea level, like, you know, and, um, but then like, I went for walking further up the coast on a different day. And um, I found like, basically like almost like doorways or window ways, doorways, pu purely straight angles, right angles, like carved into just the rock. But going into nowhere is like a window or door that is just, you know, it it's Doesn't you can't walk through it. It's just carved into a mountain. And so I I seen all these different things around the place. And then I started looking up because I was always I was big into ancient history and mythology and stuff. So I kind of looked into Malta and Malta is one of them places, man. It's um there's a lot of Specialism. ancient. Yeah, it's definitely there. I even where centurion fight championships was it was in a old prison and um i don't know when this pr this is pr prison must have been a thousand years old at least or something like amazing building like but um yeah there's definitely a lot going on in that that island man it's a special place i'd love I to go it. if i had more time i'd love to just because it's so built up hotels and yeah you know, like I'd love to just go and actually have a look at these ancient sites. You know, the, I love Valletta. The way you're walking through Valletta. Did you go to Valletta? No, like I no. was on the coast. Oh apart my God, from my... going to but the Valletta's venue, on the coast as well. But Valletta's got these massive, massive gates from the 
10th century, 9th, whatever it is, and the streets yeah. are still the same, the houses, the buildings. It's just, you can see, like, wow, this is a big, massive yeah. port. There's a gate, there's massive gates and stuff. You're just going, Geez. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I have seen that, actually. I, I have seen that place. And I'll tell you what you can also see there, like, because it's so, they knock condos down and build new condos yeah. every year. And, like, but what you can see is you can see the levels of technology there. So you can see that the Romans were there. If you literally, like, you could just be there looking at a bridge and you can see buildings built on top of one side and you can see the megalithic stones at the bottom, massive stones. Then you can see the Roman building. Yeah, on top of it. it's like a time you know? capsule. Yeah, and then you can see the the modern day stuff buildings on top of that again. Like you know, it's you can read is a. What freaked yeah, me out was the the number of deaths on the road. You see those wee statues every like twenty meters, ten meters. There's statues of like there's like they're very Catholic oriented country, and there's just yeah. like. Mem memorials of people who've died littered the streets everywhere. Like, yeah, me, this country is the size of like it's 26 miles long or something, it's tiny. And yeah, then tiny. people have died on the roads. It freaked me out. I was driving the road shit myself because <laughs> it's crazy. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, I do. It's such a good thing. But listen, we'll leave it there, mate. That was an unbelievable chat, nearly two hours. Wicked man, yeah. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that, Ben. Thank you very much yeah. for having me. Let me talk to you and Pick your mind. Yeah, no, it was great, great chatting to you, man. Like you're, you're a funny guy. I love. It was, we'll do it again. We'll do, I, I think, long, I, yeah. I yeah, think you're definitely one of the guys. I'm only done six, but I'm only doing this because I want to talk to people. I'm bored in lockdown, yeah. and I decided, you know something. What I've learned is, if you just meet someone in the street, you don't have a full meaningful conversation. But if you actually yeah. schedule a time, say, listen, do you want to have a chat about something, and then yeah. just let the the work the conversation organically grow, you get go, the yeah, go work, go. yeah. And yeah, so, it is. I would love to do this again sometime. Yeah, man, anytime, man. Pleasure to be on here, like chatting to you. Like, I haven't chatted to you properly, like, at all, no. like, apart from social media. Like, and uh, I like to see your face, you know. Actually, it was Andy Chapman. Andy Chapman said to me, I said, Give me names of who you'd like to talk to me to talk to. He was like, I would love to talk to Ben. And I was like, You're not going to believe this. And the show was like, He's number two in my list. I ask people, the people I'm going to yeah. ask. Because you because I just know, I knew by. What you put out on social media and how you speak is like two of us will jail. We'll have a good talk yeah. to you all about things. So, yeah, thank you very much. All right. Peace, love.